Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Pensacola Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Welcome to All My Motoheads. You're listening to Moto Talk with Emily Elmore, brought to you by the Moto Doll and Pensacola's Business Radio X. We're bringing you stories of planes, cars, trucks, and things that go. And along the way, we'll learn about the incredible humans behind the motors and take the lessons learned on the road in the cockpit, and under the hood to smash through our own roadblocks and journey boldly. My guest today is Christy Tobias, smart, funny, and capable. And she, along with yours truly, is one of the featured speakers at the upcoming Shiro Warrior Conference put on by the Monument for Women's Veterans. This event is in Pensacola March 8th, 9th, and 10th, and will inspire, empower, and ignite all who attend. There are events at DeLuna Winery, Pensacola State College, and the Women's Club of Pensacola, along with a block party Saturday night. Granny Nannies generously donated half of the desired ticket sales, so that means that the tickets are now at incredible pricing. You have to take advantage of it and make sure that you come at least one day to come out and support the Monument for Women's Veterans. Now, Christy, I know that you're pumped for this event. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Before we talk a little more about that and your role in this conference, I want to get to know more about you. And we want to talk to you about everything that you've done that led up to you being a national speaker and a healthcare consultant for the Studer Group. Yeah, absolutely. So Emily, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled and pumped. Um, been a big fan of yours since we met back in October at um, our Pursue Your Passion conference and um, beyond excited to spend some time with you today. Uh, so <laughs> what led me to being a national speaker and consultant? If you asked my parents, they say um, I was born that way. <laughs> uh, so at two years old, I think that's when I started consulting. Uh, my first uh, brother, I'm the oldest of four, uh, my brother was born and you know, I felt like he just needed a little help. So I helped coach him along when that's I was good. two. Yeah. yeah. Told I, him how he needed to do to do life better. Exactly. Thank you. That's that's how I feel. Yeah. Um, but now, <laughs> in all honesty, um, I've spent my entire career in healthcare. Um, so I've about the past 17 years, um, started out clinically in healthcare and then moved into the administrative um, route. And so within healthcare, as you know, it's a very complex business. Yes. And so we all need a little bit of help, but my background in healthcare was optimizing businesses. So even at the very beginning stages of my administrative track into healthcare, I realized there was always an opportunity for us to do work better and to work smarter, not harder. And as I've gone throughout that route, um, I actually have my uh, bachelor's in healthcare administration as I'm in communication and then my master's healthcare administration. Um, and throughout that process, what I've identified is uh, there's a really great opportunity for us to partner together with others. And so that's where consulting came in for me. So starting off um, working with the student group, I moved into working with the student group um, well into my career. I'd been working in human resources, organizational development, finance development, um, and really found a niche with guiding people on all levels of leadership development. So that's what Studer Group does. And so I've spent the past five years consulting both on leadership development um, and actually financial development as well. Um, traveled the world doing that. And as part of that work, I really get the chance to watch healthcare businesses and organizations grow, develop, and their leaders grow and develop. And it's been a passion of mine for a very long time. And I just uh, absolutely love being able to take Take that beyond just healthcare, but even to local businesses. So one of the things that I also do within Pensacola is I consult nonprofit organizations, um, and I'm also on the 
board of directors for Ronald McDonald House. Um, so I do a little bit of consulting there as well. I think we have a lot of great opportunities to grow our community. And sometimes we just don't have the resources to do that. So with organizations like the Studer Group um, and then also nonprofits like Studer Community Institute, I get to share my areas of expertise, which really is guiding people to be a better version of themselves. Wow, that's awesome. So my dad is a nonprofit guy himself, and that's something he actually has talked to me about quite a bit, is that people have really great vision, they have a huge heart, but they don't necessarily have the experience with all of the administrative components that you were just talking about. So they may be able to provide services um, that are exceptional, but they don't necessarily know how best to optimize running those services so they can stretch that dollar if they're a nonprofit or so that they can earn more dollars and provide more services if they are for profit. So that's amazing. Um, that's exactly the kind of thing that grows the community. And I bet that's really rewarding work. Absolutely. And it's the thing about it, too, is it's, you know, people fall into their careers or they fall into certain things. I truly believe that we're all led to a purpose. And I know that my purpose is to help better people and the community. Um, I'm great at guiding people on where they can actually be a better fit for their organization and where that organization can then take the community to the next level. So when you find that you've got that expertise and skill, I think sometimes we try, and especially as women, we try and hide that light. And I am all about letting that light not only shine, but sharing it with the world. So what better way than in this type of business that we get to work in? Yeah, no, absolutely. And so along with that, you're developing very specific skills, hard skills, soft skills as well. Um, and then also along with that, so when I met you, you were really pushing empowerment, which, you know, it's, um, if you're there and ready with a seminar and education, like you're the woman for that. But then you're also just like this really energetic, like <laughs> vibrant person that is just wonderful to listen, talk, and just to be around. So that was something that I was immediately gravitated towards. And I'm really glad that you're a part of this now because this Shiro Women's Warrior Conference isn't just for vets, it's for the community. It's to empower all of the women in the community. And for somebody like me, who is a transitioning veteran, I'm being medically um, retired here, um, it is just so special to be a part of Pensacola's community because they really have your back. So it's, hey, great. Thank you for your service, but also like welcome to, to us and what service can we provide? So you have all been such a wonderful service to me also. So first I want to say thank you for that and getting to know you and being part of that. Um, and then also tell me about your drive to empower women, because that's when I first met you was at the powerful women of the Gulf coast. Who's one of the partners, um, for the Shiro event. Um, it was at that conference, uh, the pursue your passion conference. And I just want to know a little bit about like, you know, why you're motivated and driven to empower women around you? It's a great, great question. And it's something that I could talk about for days. I won't, but <laughs> yeah. I could. Yeah. Um, so my, I'm big on the people in your life um, should always have people, uh, or you should always have people in your life who mentor you and guide you and support you. So my mother is my biggest support system, my rock. Um, she came here from Jamaica when she was about 17 years old um, and just has shown me the way and I try and emulate her in everything I do. Um, but beyond that, when I was about 20 years old, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. And with that type of diagnosis, I'm not I'm not a veteran. I've never been in the military. Um, and a 20-year-old young black female um, with PTSD, it's, <laughs> you, you kind of get looked at a little funny. And people are like, well, what? why? Like, what happened in your life? And, you know, one of the things that I will tell you is oftentimes as women, we are in situations that we 
didn't expect to be put in. Everyone is at some point in time, but especially as women. Um, and I was in a situation that I should never have been in and it changed my life. It changed everything that I believed in. It changed who I am, who I was. Um, for anyone that has PTSD, you know, you become a shell of yourself. You don't remember the person you were before. You don't really identify with who you are now. And I went through a really dark period. Um, I was on suicide watch. I was very angry. I self-harmed, um, anything and everything that I could do to just try and destroy myself. I did. And throughout that process, I had a group of, I call them my check yourself crew, but a group of very strong, powerful women who would later on become, you know, my mother's always my best friend, but I have a group of, um, five of us who are, are my rocks and they will always support me and they're always there for me. And we've been friends for over a decade, but they helped take me to the next level of moving beyond just the pain um, that I was going through. And I could have stayed in that dark spot, but I realized that there's so much more and there's so many other people who needed that support. Um, and so I made a promise to myself. It took a very long time to get out of that dark spot. Let me tell you that for sure. Um, but when I made the promise to myself to move forward, I knew I had to consistently not just do that, but take other people with me. And so I learned along the journey that as women, we have a responsibility to help guide other women along their journey. You never know what someone is going through, but you always know that you need a partner along the way. I truly believe we weren't meant to live this life alone. And so if I can do that by just bringing one person with me and empowering them, then I feel like I'm doing not just myself, but this community, a service that um, goes far beyond just my own personal growth, but really helps grow women to be the powerful, strong, gorgeous, um, empowered and inspired women that we were supposed to be. Wow. Yeah. Your story, um, you know, that you shared your vulnerability with us at that conference. Um, I think that that speaks volumes about you, that it was just a chapter of your life, but it isn't the book of your life. And that by sharing that with the women that were there, um, like gave us the courage to also just recognize, hey, you know, the trauma that is in our life, um, it exists. It helps to define who we can become but it isn't who we are. And um, I think that that was just such an incredible message that you shared then. And so it's really incredible to hear that, you know, that this dark period was really the thing that started like this brilliant light that you were able to share with the rest of us for like, the rest of your life. So that's really incredible that that was able to be transitioned into something so special. Um, even though I know that it, you know, when you look back on it, it doesn't feel that way, right? <laughs> oh no. Yeah, no, um, not at all. So. Um, there's a couple different places I want to go with that, <laughs> but first I'll say that, um, so for me, um, so the thing that really got me into wanting to empower and speak with women also happened around college, but under very different circumstances. So I actually, uh, watched Malcolm X by Spike Lee of all things. <laughs> and, uh, he was talking about how, um, you know, the black community was trying to fit in with the white community to the point where they were ostracizing each other if they didn't fit inside of that community. And I realized while watching this, and although um, obviously I don't uh, identify with the black community and I, I don't want to try to take anything from the black community struggle, but certainly by watching that, I recognized that um, I was going to a school that only had 16% of females and we were very competitive against each other and we really undercut and there's a lot of backbiting. And I realized very quickly, all of a sudden that we were trying to fit into the good old boys club early on. And that all of us were trying so hard to fit inside of that club that we were ostracizing ourselves also and not helping the fellow women that were also brilliant and beautiful and capable and interested in the same things that 
I was or that my friends were. Um, but now all of a sudden it was like, if we acknowledged their light, that somehow that would dim our own. And so I was watching that and I was like, Oh my God. Right. And all of a sudden it just, uh, like immediately inspired me to adopt what I called my policy of non-contention. <laughs> so <laughs> what it was, was that if I immediately felt kind of that, um, aggressive, even almost competitive feeling just by virtue of somebody being capable, smart and beautiful, that it was like, Oh no, check yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, Hey, get to know this person. Like what are they doing? Why are they doing it? Like, what are their goals? Can you assist each other with your goals along the way? And then, um, later pulling in this concept of, um, you know, not, uh, isolating the other person, but insulating them like inside of your own group. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is engaged in behavior that you think may reflect poorly on your group, like being a woman in the military in an officer position, if there's certain behavior that you think might be reflected poorly on that, bringing them in and giving them the professional and personal courtesy of describing like how that behavior could potentially impact them negatively or could impact the community negatively. And all of a sudden they were really pushing that forward also. And then it was just this concept that was getting paid forward very early on. And that as I matured inside of my career, realizing that other women were hungry for that and they were really quick to also do that as well. And along the way, there were other women who had realized it, but only after maturing. And so I feel really fortunate that I was able to see that early on and then to hopefully try to be, you know, a source of um, empowerment for oh, the other women. So yeah. that was something that I just thought was um, like just so interesting when I was, you know, young and being like, oh, like this is this is something that matters to me. I want to make sure that I provide women the personal and professional courtesy to to grow and develop, you know, as leaders and be in the position to really make an impact and to influence others. And, you know, um, I think that all of us have different experiences that lead up to understanding that concept, but at different times in our lives and through very different means of doing it. Um, so also as we uh, continue this conversation <laughs> on the travels that we have uh, made both metaphorically and actual travels, you travel all the time. <laughs> I do. I live in the airport actually. That's right. You just got back, right? A couple Yesterday. days ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just yeah. got back. And you're probably going to be gone next week. I am. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's pretty much story of my life. I'm like best friends with literally best friends with TSA agents. Yeah. I, I, you know I, them. You're yeah. like, I do hey. by name. <laughs> they call me by my, like my first name, you know, you get your given name. Yeah. They don't call me by my given name. They call me by my actual nickname, um, which is Christy. So, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> and the TSA agents know me by name. That's awesome. <laughs> so along with that, you know, like I said, uh, in the beginning, you heard it, we like to talk about planes, cars, trucks, things that go right. That's, um, something that I was always very interested in as a young person. I was an air force pilot for nine years. Um, you know, and I've, I've worked on a lot of vehicles up until I lost the use of my right arm. I uh, was really heavily invested in all of those communities. And so a way that I continue to be invested in those communities um, is by talking with folks a little bit about their own motor story. And, uh, you know, I, I gave you a little heads up and told you I was going to ask you that. So um, but even then, a lot of people don't realize that they have motor stories. And so it's fun to also draw it out. Um, so if we start one way and we end somewhere else, we'll just see where it goes. So tell me about your favorite motor experience, whether that's uh, a travel experience in the air, in rideshare, in the metro, whatever it was, tell me the person or the thing that just sticks with you. Gosh, I have so many. Um, I'll tell you one uh, that's a, from when I was younger. 
Um, and then I've got another one that I think is also notable to share. But when I was younger, uh, my dad does not fly at all. Like he does not fly anywhere. I got him on a plane like once and he's like, this is not this just is not. like white knuckling <laughs> yes, it. Yeah. He hates <laughs> flying. Um, but we, there are four kids and then my parents who are still together. Um, and so as kids though, it is expensive period to fly. Yes. So we used to drive everywhere. And a hassle. Oh, I have gosh. two little babies and I'm just like, I don't ever want to do this again. Right? I used it's to love flying. <laughs> and I, I think about that. I'm like, Oh, I don't have kids yet, but I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But when we were younger, we used to take road trips everywhere. And you guys know how big Florida is. People think Florida is a lot smaller than it is. Like from one part of Florida, like from top to bottom, it's 14 hours easily. And so my dad's family lives in South Florida. We lived in North Carolina. Um, and so we would take road trips from North Carolina to Florida uh, probably like every holiday. Yeah. So easily 14 plus hour drive. My dad loved it. So I am my, I'm a daddy's girl. So it's me, two boys, and my baby sister. And my mom would fall asleep within the first 10 minutes of the drive, of course. <laughs> my brothers are back there being boys, um, fighting or arguing about something. And then my sister is usually just zoning out because she's very good at entertaining herself. So it was always my dad and I. I would just sit up front with him, uh, which is highly entertaining because we don't sleep. We're not sleepers <laughs> at all. So we'll just chat, chat, chat. At some point in time, my mom will wake up, look at us like, why? Oh, they're still talking. <laughs> they're all right. still talking. But <laughs> as a little girl, like I remember when I was 10 years old, very specifically, we were driving from, this may have been Alabama at this point, down to Miami. And we talked, it was like 3 a.m., talked for hours about everything. Um, the, you know, birds and the bees, life, like just, and my parents are um, very educated. They both have their PhDs. Like they are very open with that education as well. And I just remember that being the best time. As a kid, you get a little annoyed being in the car for a long period of time with your family. Yeah. But I remember feeling like such a grown up sitting up front with my dad, helping him navigate. Cause that was the thing is like, if you're right, up it's front, important. exactly. Yeah, you've got to navigate. Slash you got to work the radio. Exactly. Right? And this yeah. was before GPS. So we had an actual map. <laughs> the Atlas. <laughs> I remember that. You got like a pen. You're like, oh, yes. no, nope, not that. Go not back. that. That's how I realized I am completely, I suck at all types <laughs> of navigating. Like I'm terrible. I probably should not have been the navigator, but my dad had already mapped it out. But like it just, it will always stick in my head. It's one of my favorite experiences as a kid because I would just sit there with the atlas and with the map and just writing it down. Um, I think at that point we could go onto Google and Google the directions, but they weren't always accurate. Oh, yeah. But it was just me and my dad sitting up front with everyone else in the back of the mom van and I just it was one of it's my all-time favorite experience for sure as a kid ah that's wonderful so I uh, have a lot of fun travel stories also yeah and I think that that's absolutely true like when you're there and then so my dad and I we would take trips also um so my dad was also uh active duty military he was an enlisted guy and um he picked me up I want to say we were in Texas to start I don't remember why we, or maybe we were in Kansas it doesn't matter because it was like a thousand miles of antelope reclamation territory. Okay. There was nothing out there. <laughs> just absolutely nothing. And my dad and I have this hilarious habit of getting stranded <laughs> together with minimal resources. <laughs> so, so it's funny that you're mentioning this really great story with your dad. Cause I have, you know, similar, like we would travel a lot from between Texas where his family was and then Kansas where he was stationed. And we ended up getting stuck once. And to this day, he can't put the hazards on because it's just that click, click, 
click, click, click, click from like <laughs> like nine hours of us sitting waiting for a car, any car to just come down and pick us up or to, you know, let us call because same, you know, time frame was early on. There wasn't really, and there was no internet along the way, not. right? Like not. cell phones weren't really reliable, especially in the middle of antelope country. So, <laughs> so yeah, so it was really great. But that's, that's funny that you mentioned that because it's one of my favorites also just hanging out with dad, oh, you yeah. know, traveling and dads are fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely the best. <laughs> Oh man. So yeah, that's definitely my kid's story. I'll tell you have a really funny adult story. So I can't wait. <laughs> oh man. So it kind of ties into, um, earlier, as I'd mentioned, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, right after I was diagnosed, I actually spent an entire summer abroad in both Russia and Kenya. And so when I went to Kenya, I was working with the HIV AIDS crisis and we we're like, we're going to take two days and we're just going to have a little bit of a break. So we were going to go on safari. So we went to safari in Masai Mara, but you have to take a little a commuter plane doesn't even describe it. Uh, <laughs> take a toy plane and then just magnify it by five, and that was our plane. Oh no! Uh, so, so you have this tiny, Look tiny. This is totally safe, right? Of course, of course. If the engine goes, it's a glider. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Just slide right in. Uh, so, <laughs> speaking of that, antelope reclamation country. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. So we didn't realize, you know, didn't realize at all. This plane picks up others. Like it doesn't just like go straight to your destination. It's supposed to pick up other people. We didn't know that. No one told us that. It's like and the Uber of the air. It was the Uber of the air basically <laughs> like back before Uber was ever popular. Yeah. And so as we're riding and you know, there's no runway where we are. It's just dirt. Equally reliable pilot. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, I feel safe. And we're just flying along and all of a sudden we start nosediving. Oh no. Nosediving towards the ground. And we're like, this is it. Like we're legitimately screaming at this point. Oh, no. We nosedive towards the ground and then do a nice smooth landing. People get on the plane and we go again. We're like, what just happened? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> apparently that's how you pick people up on your way to Masai Mara in Kenya. I had no idea, but that was by far <laughs> one of my most memorable, terrifying and thrilling experience. And yet thrilling, yeah. And yet thrilling, but it was wonderful. It was uh, bonded really well with the pilot at that point too, because I was like, listen, sir, I need you to like tell me anything else that's going to happen. Like, who <laughs> yeah. else are we picking up? Like, <laughs> what right. else is happening? <laughs> are we going to be like spiraling up into the air? Right. Are we it's running away from lions? Plane. <laughs> so one of the experiences I had also flying in Africa, uh, I, I got to be the pilot though in this case. Of course you did. Yeah. But they're, uh, so baboons get, they're everywhere. They All right. Are. And so you and think, mean. Of, yes, oh my gosh, they are so mean. <laughs> so mean. Oh yeah, you have to watch out. And yeah. they're, they're huge. Yes. That's the other thing. Aggressive and mean. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so, you know, here in the States, when you're trying to, uh, you know, go down the runway, you have to look out for wildlife. A lot of times there's geese or something else that you could ingest inside of an engine. Very dangerous. The scariest time that I ever took off, actually a flock of geese came up and just by the grace of God, we didn't hit them. Otherwise we would have had all engines flame out. But, um, yeah, so, um, that's what you expect here. Maybe a deer, sometimes a coyote. I've seen an Arctic fox once. That was pretty cool. Wow. Um, you know, it's so all of a sudden it's like, hey, is that why is that snowdrift? And you're just like, oh, oh no, there's there's something on the runway. Go around. But um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. And so they, you hear that, you know, coming over the radio. They're like, hey, watch out. There's you know a group of baboons on the runway. And you're like, well, didn't think I'd ever hear that. All right. <laughs> you're like trying not to. You're like, get out, get out of the way. <laughs> They're Stupid not listening. Monkeys. I'm sure they weren't listening. They're like, nope. <laughs> This is my runway. Yeah. I mean, the C-130 is a very loud airplane. You would think it would freak them out barreling at them. It's huge. And they're no, they're ready to go. They're ready to throw bows at this thing. Yeah. That's what baboons do. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So Africa, good times. Africa is always good times. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Well, I guess uh, we should probably wrap up with some information about the Monument to Women's Veterans. So it is in collaboration with Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast and the Women's Club of Pensacola. They're hosting this exciting event on March 8th, 9th, and 10th, just like we talked about now. It's the Monument to Women's Veterans that is uh, benefiting from all the proceeds of the tickets and everything else. But it is not an event just for women vets. You're not a woman vet, and you are there to empower and inspire and to help the women there catch fire and lead their best lives. So with that being said, make sure that you're coming out. Also, if you're a dude, you are more than welcome to come out. Um, So if you heard my previous episode, we were talking a little bit about partnerships and how valuable that those have been along my career, and I'm sure, Christy, your career. Absolutely. Right, and so we would not develop as leaders or as friends or as good family members if we were just, you know, taking all the advice and mentorship from our male partners and just casting it aside. So please come out. You guys have been instrumental to us and great supporters. We would love you to continue to support um, through this great event, the Shiro uh, Warrior Conference. All right. Just so that you guys know what you can expect for this event on Friday, that's going to be at the DeLuna Winery. That uh, space there is going to welcome us with hors d'oeuvres and wine tasting mm. and then also an artist has generously donated her time and materials for women to paint Love and it. so yeah it's just going to be this really awesome fun event great for networking um, lots of fun food wine come on out friday night and then saturday we've got saturday morning which will uh continue uh that Tradition of eating, right? With uh, so God, little <laughs> breakfast. It's what we do. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. All three days have food. So we got the continental breakfast. There's going to be speakers. Uh, Chick-fil-A has generously donated lunches for everybody. So come More on out food. and enjoy that. Oh, yeah. And then there's a block party that evening, right? I mean, you're saying the great words here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So wine, beer, food. We're just going to say that over and over again. And some super rad ladies that are going to help you determine what the best food is and why you should not feel guilty about eating it. Never. <laughs> Ever. Never. No. Um, and so, yeah, so Saturday evening, block party, there's going to be a silent auction, karaoke, food vendors, free beer. Sunday, that's when I'll be speaking and there's going to be a brunch at the Women's Club of Pensacola. So same thing, come out, feel, feel empowered. Um, and then, yeah, if you come out, it's going to celebrate also International Women's Empowerment Day. It falls on that weekend. Yes, it does. It does. It's perfect. Yeah. So that's all that I have for everyone today. Thank you so much for listening in. There are some opportunities to be a sponsor, a vendor, or a volunteer for this event. Please go to the website and register today. The uh, website is shirowarrior.com. That's like hero with an S for shiro.com. Or you can check it out on Eventbrite. And I'll catch you all later. All right, I want to thank everybody for listening today. My name is Keith Hilbert. This has been Pensacola Business Radio. You can find us at Bicola Radio X on Twitter, Bicola BRX on Facebook. You can find us on LinkedIn at businessradioxstudios.pensacola, or you can find us on Instagram at Pensacola Business Radio, or on our websites at businessradiox.com, or on our live feed at businessradiox.live. If you are interested in being a guest on Business Radio X, please visit either one of our sites or our social media sites to find a link to book your appearance. This has been Pensacola Business Radio, where business is good and your work